Because I can control the weather, they call me Storm. Welcome to This Week in Nerd News, your one-stop shop for all of the pop culture you may have missed this week. Brought to you by the Black Nerd Problems Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Victoria Vertine. And I'm your host, Mikkel Snyder. Hey, Mikkel, what's up? Time continues to be fake. It is somehow March. <laughs> Daylight savings time may or may not be tomorrow, or tonight, or yesterday. It's fake. We still live in a strange timeline. How about yourself? Uh, same. Next week is spring break for me, so that's nice. Um, but I am admin, which means that I don't actually get a spring break. I just get to say that it's spring break, but I still have to go in and work anyway, which contributes to time being fake for me. That's a, that's a rough deal right there. <laughs> That's just not good. But you know what will make time feel less fake? What's that? It's talking about all of the stuff that's coming out in the near indeterminate future, so we have things to look forward to. Woohoo! I'll get started by talking about some of the cool stuff that Netflix announced, because it is a week that has seven days, which means Netflix decided to announce something every single day of the week, just because they can and they have the ability to bunch of stuff all across the multimedia spectrum that tries to captivate our attention and succeeds in captivating our attention. So let's spend yet another segment talking about all of the cool stuff that they have in their docket. Uh, starting off with something that's probably like my most like exciting thing that I have looking forward to for this year in media is that they announced the lead actresses behind their new anime Tresse. Uh, originally based on a really popular Filipino supernatural detective comic, so I'm super stoked about all of the words that just came out of my mouth. Um, so, uh, Lisa Soberano will be playing the Tiltjaro character in the Filipino dub, and Shay Mitchell will be the English voice actor. So, uh, the series has been on my radar since they announced it a couple months ago, last year. Time's fake. And as someone who always wants to see more Filipino media stateside, I will be excitedly waiting as more news drops. This has been really cool. I've checked out, like, uh, panels from the comic that I was able to find online. It all looks really, really cool. So I'm really, really excited. Um, in a similar anime front, Netflix also gave us our first look into Yasuke, an anime centered on the first African samurai. Uh, Lakeith Stanfield will voice the Tijotro character there. And there is just some badass animation brought to us by MAPPA, the studio behind the glorious spectacles that are Attack on Titan and Jujutsu Kaisen and more. So again, more reasons to be very excited about all of this cool original anime that Netflix is bringing us. Uh, pivoting over to live action news, we finally got some more news about Russian Doll Season 2. Specifically that Annie Murphy from Schitt's Creek will be joining the cast. No idea what a season 2 of Russian Doll even looks like, I'm just excited to have more of it. And they also announced the renewal of Selling Sunset and Bling Empire, as well as new series from those creators. But perhaps the funniest bit of news in all of this news that has happened is that Netflix is profiting off of a murder they committed by releasing a documentary called The Last Blockbuster, which is about the last blockbuster. So, you know, 
just just imagine somebody killed you and then made a documentary about it. Like this is the the bit, right? It's just like, well, we killed this thing. Let's let's make even more money than than we have already. So, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so I will follow your order um, because I think I actually care about most of these things, which is a better average for me than, or percentage, I guess I should say, um, because Netflix does do these giant drops, right? And so uh, it kind of depends. Some weeks you get, like, I like 90% of this, and some weeks you're like, none of this applies to me. And this seems like a pretty good week. Um, I am also excited about Trece. I have, I've, I have no interaction with this uh, title before, but it sounds great. I agree that sentence of like Filipino supernatural detective comic. Like I'm here for it already. So it's also one of those things which y'all know that I like when a show can introduce me to new print media. So that is exciting. I've already talked about Yasuke on this podcast. I am super excited. I actually knew about Yasuke as like a historical figure before this happened. Never in my wildest dreams did I think that there would actually be an anime let alone an anime from Lakeith Stanfield and MAPPA. So I am excited about this whole thing. Cannot wait for it. It's a wonderful sentence. Right? It's a wonderful, wonderful sentence. Ah, so good. I don't know anything about Russian Doll, so I guess that is good. That is my my one on this list that I'm like, yeah, sure, that's happening. I do, however, enjoy Selling Sunset and Bling Empire quite a bit. So I'm glad that they got new seasons. Also, new series from the creators. Because, you know, why not? I think that that would be good. Poor Blockbuster. Poor Blockbuster. Can't rest in peace. Um, I do... It, it It does feel a little salty on Netflix's part. I guess like the weird I don't I don't even know, but I do think like there is one last blockbuster and it has become a tourist attraction. Like people who are who are driving other places will stop in this small town to like I visited the last blockbuster. And so I guess that like maybe they will get more traffic after the plague is over because of this Netflix special, but that still feels really weird and kind of like, kind of like that syndrome you get when you're kidnapped. Stockholm syndrome. Thank you. Yeah, it feels a little Stockholm syndrome, like, you killed my father, but now I will look up to you because you're helping me survive. I don't, there's some Thanos vibes going on here is what I'm saying. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to pitch it. But, you know, I think that it will be well produced and we will learn some things. So, go education. I don't know. It's going to be weird. But hey, last, last time you and I were on together, we had a comedy 
about the death of Biggie Smalls. So, you know, what is the world? What What is the world indeed if not just waiting for this last blockbuster documentary <laughs> to come out to see how Netflix is talks about its own hand in the demise of an entire <laughs> franchise? And Watch them not franchise. mention it at all. They're just like, <laughs> oh. And then something happened and they all started closing. Yeah, it's there is no no evidence in the historical record to ever indicate what could have ever caused such a dramatic shift in the lack of people going to video stores. We we may never know, and we just know there's only one blockbuster left. Or they just blame it all on Redbox. Like it's just <laughs> all Redbox, oh, nothing that'd else. Be, that'd be fantastic. Um, <laughs> when was when was the last time you were in a blockbuster? Just out of curiosity. Um. My my town is very tiny and therefore had one for quite a while. Uh, I was in the Marines. I feel like it's got to be around 2010-ish. That seems that seems about right. Um, my last time was like in the late 90s and I only remember <laughs> the date vaguely because like it was when the PlayStation 1 was out and uh, we were returning a Mega Man video game that I could not get past the first level of because it wasn't a traditional Mega Man game it was a PlayStation Mega Man game so like it was on like a freebie platform so I had no idea what was going on so we returned it and then we just never went back because well, one, we move, but also blockbusters stop being a thing. Yeah, so. yeah. For sure. I'm trying to find out. Oh, yeah. Um, so I have found my blockbuster on Yelp. And there is a person who is very upset in 2012 because the movie they wanted to rent was not there. So I guess they were open until around 2012 in my hometown because it's very tiny. Um, good, good for them, outlasting, outlasting a lot of other blockbusters. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. In my news, what news that I have for you today, Mikkel, is book adaptations. And there will be a twist at the end, okay? So hold on for it. We have three major works from three major black women authors that have been announced. We've been getting quite a few, actually, adaptations of black fantasy, black sci-fi, all sorts of good things this year. It's only March time. Anyway, um, we've gotten quite a lot of them, but this week we specifically have three from three black women authors. So we have Octavia Butler's Kindred, which is getting a pilot on FX uh, from writer Brandon Jacobs Jenkins. That's a lot for me to say, but he is the writer behind Watchmen, which we all know was pretty awesome. So that's kind of exciting. Toni Morrison's Song of Solomon is going to become a limited series, 
it hasn't been picked up by a platform yet, so we'll see. But they are in talks for it to be written and directed by George C. Wolfe, who is fresh off of Ma Rainey's Black Bottom with Netflix. And the producers behind this Song of Solomon adaptation are Fremantle, who produced American Gods, and Playground Entertainment. And then last but certainly not least is N.K. Jemisin's The Inheritance Trilogy, like the whole trilogy, is coming to TV. Same thing, doesn't have a platform yet, but does have a production company, which is Will and Jada Pinkett Smith's Westbrook Studios. Uh, And they have also been doing a lot of stuff. They just had the Amend series that is coming out on Netflix, and then maybe Paramount. I don't know. They got a they got that uh, Bel Air uh, Fresh Prince spin off, just called Bel Air, that was uh, picked up for two seasons. So all of these things are exciting. Here is my twist, right? And here is why I, as a black woman, feel like this is kind of two steps forward and one step back. We have these amazing black women authors, and so far. Every single adaptation, while I do appreciate and think that we should call out the fact that the writers are black, right? Like, we've got some writers, we've got some directors, we've got some producers that are all black. This is all good. It's all steps in the right direction. I feel like maybe the writers could have been black women. Like, I feel like there are enough black women writers out there for TV that we could have we could have done that um, and I think that this is evidence again of how much of a quote unquote risk studios are willing to take in that you still have to have especially on a black production especially on kind of a marginalized production in any way, right? Like a non-white production, you have to have some level of ability to name drop in some area, whether it's the writing or the production or the, the title itself. You have to be able to name drop in a very specific way. Otherwise, they're not going to green light it. And I think that, unfortunately, that leads to a bit of noir, where you have that intersectionality of, like, I am black and I am woman, and that means that I am, like, double marginalized and double discriminated against. And so I'm going to hold out hope that the Inheritance Trilogy will get some women writers maybe it will get that kind of like circular treatment where different writers and different directors get to be on each series or each uh, episode that would be kind of cool um and I want to say that I don't think that either I mean obviously Brandon let me see if I can do this Brandon Jacobs Jenkins and George C. Wolfe are amazing writers, and I don't want to take that away from them at all. Um, just like, we could get some women folks up in here. That's all. That's all. That's my twist. All right, Mikko, what do you think? I, I think you're right on the money, and I think, like, as we continue to inch closer to, like, a better, like, 
media landscape where like everyone gets a chance to like be at the table and contribute to the stories that are about them and that they want to tell like we don't want to be inching anymore we want to just be at this point after so long we've seen this before this is not the first time that we've had these types of like complaints and issues and it's just it's it's exhausting being sort of like okay great you're telling these stories that we want you to tell but also we want to be the ones to tell them at the same time um and like all of these are like really exciting properties i'm only really familiar with uh kindred as a book because i don't read as much as i should and like i'm excited for all of these for like different reasons but like i think i think you bring up a legitimate criticism and i think it's worth mentioning and like highlighting but watchmen was also really really good so i'm excited to see what the writer of watchmen will do with kindred because that's that's just a really exciting thing given how kindred is structured and and all of the cool stuff that could happen there well with that i say let's take a break and let's come back to some to some interesting news. We knew this was coming. Like, like, let us just preface this before we get into a final segment of the day. Like, we knew this was a thing that was in development. We've known for quite some time. But seeing the casting announcement just makes it real and makes it real in such a way where we're still wondering why it's still still happening. Um, Because as such, the Powerpuff Girls live-action sequel series from the CW has casting announcements. And we have Chloe Bennett as Blossom, Dove Cameron as uh, Bubbles, and Yana Peralt as uh, Buttercup. We have a live-action Powerpuff Girls uh, sequel series. Like, this is not, like, a reimagining. This is not not a not a reboot. Well, I guess it's a reboot, right? But it, it's a sequel series for these are, like, grown-up Powerpuff Girls who are now, like, jaded and pretty in the same network that has brought us Riverdale and the Arrowverse. And I, I like those things. And, like, I, I've enjoyed watching the CW stuff. But, um... I didn't, I didn't want a Powerpuff Girls uh, series to get added to that, to that resume. What do you want to start with all of that? I... Listen, I am happy for these actresses in that it is very possible that they, like a lot of us, grew up with the Powerpuff Girls and are super excited to get these roles. I hate it. <laughs> um, uh, I love the Powerpuff Girls. Uh, my husband loves the Powerpuff Girls. The Powerpuff Girls is one of the things that we bonded over when we first met. Our dog is named Mojo Jojo, okay? I love the Powerpuff Girls. And I am not against reboots or adaptations. I think the She-Ra reboot was one of the most amazing things to happen. I think the My Little Pony reboot was awesome. Like, I am not against these things just in general. I think that the CW can do good things. Uh, we have talked forever about, like, we should have a podcast just dedicated to 
the glorious mess that is supernatural, right? Um, Arrow, decent, at least for a while, right? Like the, the... the DC universe expanded way too quick and there's too much going on, but there are some there are some decent things in there. I don't know. Like starting with Riverdale. I just don't know why. Like there was Riverdale and then there was The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Uh and now this um uh this is a Netflix one that I'm going to pull in not in the CW thing, but I feel like it's suffering from the same again but gritty thing that's happening, which is Fate the Winx Saga. Mm -hmm. Just like, why? I just... I don't know who is... who is asking for this. And I feel like the answer is one dude. I feel like there's one dude somewhere who was like, no, I want this. And that just happens to be someone who is enough in the sphere of power that they're like, yeah, of course, we'll do this. Do I think that it's going to be bad? I think it's going to fall into that same thing of like, is this bad in general or is this bad as a Powerpuff Girls entity. I think it's going to be bad as a Powerpuff Girls entity. Do I think it's going to be bad just in general? Maybe? They all... You know what? It feels like... It feels like somebody went to a mall, an actual mall, in the 2000s, and just picked all of the kids from Hot Topic and Spencer's and was like, we're gonna, we're gonna do these, these children's shows, but for you, okay? And you can be in them. And that's what we went with. This is a little mall gothy. It's a little mall gothy. Here's, here's what I know, right? Like, I, I've watched every single episode of Riverdale and I have every intention of finishing Riverdale to its bitter, bitter end because it is just completely audacious in its in its presentation. And, like, that's been a known quantity ever since, like, season one. And, like, especially in, like, the later seasons with, like, the uh, serial killer gene line and my personal favorite, the epic highs and lows of high school football. Which, again, a real line that was said in this series. And I think, to your point, and I think the thing that really resonated with me for all of that is that there is a potential that, like, this could at least be enjoyable. But the question is, it's sort of like, why is it a Powerpuff Girls piece of media? And, like, what purpose does this type of, like, tonal thing serve, right? And... It, it was funny because uh, Craig McCracken uh, mentioned on Twitter just sort of like, look, I don't own the rights to the series at all. I have no involvement and I don't have any say what they do with any of this. And like, that's a completely reasonable thing to do as the original creator of the series to be sort of like, look, I'm just letting you guys know this ain't on me. This is just a thing. And like, he was also from sort of like, uh, the reason I sold the rights is that I got to tell the stories that I wanted to back in the day. And, like, I would have done the same thing, and he's done the same thing. And she's sort of like, 
He then proceeded to plug his current Netflix special, Kid Cosmic, which you should all watch, by the by. It's really good. Really good. And, like, the coolest thing about the Powerpuff Girls, right? Sort of, like, it was this trio of girls who were just, like, internally optimistic, kicking people with the power of, like, friendship and all of that fun stuff, like, unapologetically and just, like, blissfully and happily. And it was really cool and really interesting. And, like, the villain designs were, like, these really, like, creative concepts that really worked in animation. And I don't... I don't want a gritty reboot of that. I don't want gritty reboots anymore, I think, is, is really what this all amounts to. I, I hope the, the people that this is indeed made for, because there is an audience for it. There has to be. It's the CW. They don't, they don't just produce these things on a whim, but I hope they enjoy it, because, like, I'm not sure I, I need that, right? Yeah, we, we saw it with Riverdale, uh, Nancy Drew, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina on Netflix. I forgot about Nancy Drew. Yeah, Nancy Drew. Uh, and don't forget that uh, Hulu has the gritty reboot of the Hardy Boys. Like, they just yeah. have that entire spectrum mm-hmm. covered. And it's just sort of like, you know, I just, I want unapologetically happy things and, like, optimistic things. And, like, I don't, I don't know. I I think I think to your point as well. Like I hope these actresses have a good time with this series. And I watch the CW, so I'll get ads for this show at least some point <laughs> on my feed. So we'll we'll, we'll see yeah. if something changes my mind. So, but with that said, let's pivot over to all padded and lightning round because a lot happens in the endless time span of seven days during a pandemic. So we can't get to everything that we necessarily want to, but we want to discover some, like, highlights that, you know, just want to make sure that you are aware of. So, uh, Entertainment Weekly reported that Disney Plus's Raya and the Last Dragon made an estimated $8.6 million domestically, a respectable sum given the wild circumstances that continue to still plague us on our timeline. Uh, you're able to watch Ray and the Last Dragon right now with a $30 premiere access fee on top of the Disney Plus subscription. Otherwise, you regular Disney Plus users will be able to watch it sometime later this summer. I I enjoyed the movie. It meant a lot to me. I do not fault anyone for waiting for it to not cost $30, because that is indeed a sum. So... Uh, emotional devastation by way of Eldrick's vehicle location is coming to us much sooner than expected, as HBO, HBO Max announced that the fourth and currently final season of Infinity Train will be entering our lives April 15th. I'm ready to just cry a lot on that day. Um, the beloved Korean-Canadian sitcom Kim's Convenience announced that season five would unfortunately be its last us Americans will at least be able to look forward to watching that season on Netflix later this year, but it looks like the cast and crew will be closing up shop. And finally, Deadline has reported that the cast and crew of Atlanta is finally making its way to Europe to film seasons 3 and 4, so maybe, and I mean just maybe, we'll get more episodes of Atlanta real soon. Or maybe not real soon, maybe just soon. Maybe time is fake. That's really the theme of these podcasts. This is sort of like all of this news happens and we are just subject to wondering when it will manifest in this timeline. So, uh, that was this week in your news. If you want to tune in to more existential crises and pop culture news, we're here every week. I'm your host, Mikkel Snyder. And I'm your host, Victoria Routine. 
Please remember to like, comment, and subscribe to any world you listen to podcasts. We'll catch you next week. Bye.